Ray Kennedy. Welcome to the Candelo Roadshow Radio Hour. This is a show about stories. Stories of searching, stories of living, stories of home. It's a show about stories because stories are the thing that we all have in common. They are the breadcrumb trails left for us and by us, lines that help us find our way to each other, to where we've come from, and to who we are. We all need stories. And this is a show about community, as it is seen and felt and imagined by a ragtag group of songwriters and storytellers who all happen to find themselves living in the same one on land that belongs to the UN nation, the small country town we call Candelo. Thanks for being here. This is where our stories entwine. Please reveal yourself only to me, mountains to the sea. If you were to take one of the five roads that winds its way into this village, you would invariably pass rambling creek beds and patchwork paddocks. The herds of cows, living proof that you are in dairy country now. History books will tell you that Candelo was settled by Europeans in the 1830s and was once a thriving thoroughway boasting seven blacksmiths, three hotels, a tailor, and boatloads of cream. But the stories of this place run so much deeper than that. There are storylines here that run all the way back to the beginning. Before the winding roads were made, before the old town hall was built, before any cow ever grazed these rolling hills. There were stories. Living stories, carved and carried by the traditional custodians of this land, the people of the UN nation. Every story begins somewhere, and our stories need always begin with gratitude to the elders, past, present, and emerging, the caretakers of the stories that are embedded in this place we call home. Speaking of home, what is it anyway? What makes it? And how do we know when we found it? The road that leads us there can be full of wrong turns and roundabouts, breakdowns and false starts. And once you find it, how do you leave? This episode is all about that. Stories and songs that are thick with the wonder, the wrestling, and the search for that sometimes elusive and often complicated thing that we call home. Pack my heart in suitcases to find what there is behind every open door. Fire 
something to hear in a quiet town. The cities may be famous for their howl and din, but the countryside has its own kind of cacophony. Have you heard a creek full of frogs after a good week of rain? Or a chattering of cockatoos at morning's first light? The bellows of cows, the raucous laughter of kookaburras, the farm dogs that just won't stop barking. And then there's the clanging cowbell on the general store door, the shrieking kids in the playground, the rumble of feed trucks, the thrum of local gossip at the post office, the all-day banter about the weather at the petrol pump, the ragtime piano wafting from the former bakery, button accordion melodies creeping over the cafe courtyard wall and the familiar daily ringing of the old school bell. Even the quietest town can be deafening sometimes. The sounds of a place can weave their way into our bones, becoming as much a part of our sense of home as any building or landmark. It can help us fall in love with where we are. Sometimes the sounds that swoon us come from birds or bush, and sometimes they come from fiddles and feet on a worn wooden floor. If you follow the creek a few kilometers downstream from the village, you'll find yourself at the historic Kamaruka Hall, And if you are lucky, it will be a Saturday night, and Mike Martin and the Kamaruka Bush Orchestra will be hosting one of their infamous bush dances. A tea and cake and family affair, which happens to be one of the sweetest melodies in the soundtrack of this place. In the corner of promenade position, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do a farm dance. Are you ready? Starting with your outside And it's one, two... Mike Martin's bush dances are so awesome. For a start, like a 12-piece band on stage, or however many people, it's just massive. It makes you feel awesome. The thing that is, that just makes my heart bubble over is (laughs) when on the dance floor you've got two fully grown adults going through an arch built by six-year-olds. It's just the best thing ever. And <laughs> that's when I'm really in love with this place. Their marvelous hands so gently entwine. Together like a climbing vine Her spare hand on shoulder Feeling the bone and muscle under They might fumble and 
secret door behind the stage tied with piano wire and no one will care if we kiss by the old copper kettle If your town is anything like our town, then you'll understand what I mean when I say that anonymity is not our strong suit. And if you're anything like me, most of the time you love that. I love that mail reaches me with only my first name and postcode on it. I love that it can take 30 minutes of chatting with five different people to buy one two liter jug of milk from the general store. I love living in a place where almost everybody knows your name. I love it. And I resent it sometimes too. Because there are days where it would be nice to grab a coffee and not have a conversation. Days when I would rather not be asked how I'm doing. When I don't want anyone to know what's happening in my life. When I want to exist without being seen. But it's hard to disappear in a small town. And what if anonymity is the necessary trade-off in the search for belonging? What if being known is part of what makes a place home? One, two, three, four. When I woke 
woke up on Monday morning, the kids were getting hangry. They were both pretty rude and they needed food. Our sweet home was no Shangri-La. They both wanted cereal with milk poured on the top. We were out of milk, so I put my boots on to bop down to the shop. I said, I'll be in 30 seconds. I'll be back in a flash. Your mum's asleep. I'll be back before she knows I'm not around. Crikey Mikey bailed me up He told me that the LNP made him want to throw up So we talked for a little about how we could right all the world's wrongs And how much better things would be if people listened to Crikey's songs Oh, I'll be 30 seconds I'll be back in a flash Your mum's asleep I'll be back before she knows I'm not Cafe working on a crossword I looked over his shoulder like an emu Or some other kind of crossword We laughed about a clue that alluded to A boy band called the Beatles Then I realised that I better get on Cause my feet had pins and needles Oh, I'll be 30 seconds I'll be back in a flash Your mum's asleep I'll be back before she knows I'm not around Children needed breakfast I left them alone in a bed at home But we shared a couple of jokes first Oh, I'll be 30 seconds I'll be back in a flash Your mum's asleep I'll be back before she knows I'm not around Well, I scuttled back home with a milk in hand Tried to keep my head down too long in the social whirlwind of this town But only 10 or 15 metres from my own front door I collided with my wife, yeah, the love of my life Calling over her left shoulder She said, I'll be 30 seconds I'll be back in a flash Mum's asleep I'll be back before he knows I'm not around I get a lot of joy and frustration out of the idea of, you know, just being able to walk down the street and see people that you know and and there's a, there's a, a familiarity and a friendliness and, yeah, and the kids, you know, from the local school who, yeah, say hi. I don't even know who they are, but they know I'm a... It's Toby's dad, it's Emily's dad. I love that too. That feels like home. Those connections, yeah. <laughs> uh, it does feel good sometimes, although I need to remember to dress up properly when I leave the house. <laughs> like, try not to go down the street in your pyjamas. Although pyjamas are fine, just clean ones. <laughs>
also I went to the mechanics once and I accidentally wore my own merch so I had my jumper on it had my name on it and at the end of the you know paying for the mechanic she said isn't that good you got your name on your jumper So, you know, it's everybody's pretty forgiving here. I don't know. They don't have any, any kind of weird rock star thing going on there, except you in your grabbiness. And I think, yeah, the bad time was just kind of trying to understand what you do in, like, your, the depths of despair. That's a fun sentence, depths of despair. But, you know, like after a breakup with somebody locally, um, suddenly realising that everybody knew and they'd look at you with this sort of sad look and... I just didn't want them to know. I hated it. I wanted everybody to think we were still together. And I couldn't fake it because it was a tiny place. Everybody knew. Whereas in like a city, you could like pretend for a year that you're still with someone that you loved, you know? And um, I just remember this feeling when I was talking to a a counsellor on the phone. And um, he just listened to all of the worst things and was checking in on me and making sure I was okay after all of that. And you just check in once a week or whatever. And then we finished the conversation and I was doing okay. And he just changed in and said, looking forward to your concert on the weekend. <laughs> but it made me suddenly realise, aha, this is where I am. We all, we know a lot about each other. And we know a lot more than about each other than we would in a city. But we can all live in these sort of two separate states. We can work with you and understand that you're having trouble. And then we can just be normal with you and, um, you know, go back to being mates again. So I suddenly realised it was not. So, it was a kind of OK that everybody knew everything about you. <laughs> yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is when we lost a child um uh, we had a pregnancy that didn't work out and um you know often people say not to tell anyone until you're 15 you know first trimester and and we had decided to just tell people that we're pregnant anyway and and plus it was kind of pretty late that um that we lost the child to, it was 15 weeks in. And at that time, it was really hard dealing with that and trying to make sense of that experience. But I was actually really grateful that everybody knew because I felt um, I was able to just talk about it a lot and and when I wasn't able to talk about it other people were sharing their experiences with me and it, I didn't feel so alone in it and um, and I had space to to be honest about you know my experience at that time rather than having to pretend it was life as normal and so I remember thinking at that time oh it's actually kind of nice that everybody knows 
what's going on in my life. You know, and it was like, I was having chats about this at the bakery and <laughs> you know, it's like pretty personal stuff to be talking about in public, but my experience of that was actually, I was really grateful. All of the stories and songs you are hearing in this episode are those of road rambling musicians. Some who have lived most of their lives in this place, and some who have found their way here through love or happenstance. They've all spent a lot of time away from home, from family, from any one place. We all know the notion that absence makes the heart grow fonder. And maybe that's true. A bit of distance can shift us, remind us of what pulled us to a particular place to begin with. But maybe the opposite is also true, that absence can woo our hearts elsewhere. The road out of town can lead us to a million wonders that make returning feel dreadful, or at least bittersweet. What about you? Does the barista knowing your coffee order by heart and half the village learning your breakup story before you've even left the house make you exhale with the feeling of home? Do you crave being remembered or dream of anonymity? Is the road home from wandering sometimes heavy? What are the moments that keep you falling in love that help you stay? Are they made of people or night skies or quiet melodies? When I come back from wandering and I, I sort of want to be somewhere else and then I get back home and I walk in and I smell the house and then I go outside at night and I lay on the trampoline and I just look at the stars and look at the Milky Way, which is this big slash across above my roof and a big old dark emu up there and I'm just astonished because there's great skies in the world, but you know, this is a home sky and it, I think that's a moment of pure love because it just comes out in full but I also really love when we have a concert in the town hall and it doesn't matter what's playing and I can sit on the floor with my girls and they tend to fall asleep on my knee while we're listening to music and you've got the whole town or even the whole valley sitting around um, watching and listening and I think there's nowhere else like this this whole idea that we get to all be here and we all get to listen to music, older people and little people, and feel really comfortable and be magic, bring artistic magic to each other, you know, that's another big love. Walking down the hill from the blue house I was living in at the time, down Eden Street to the Candelow Town Hall, there was a gig on. And there's one street light, and so it kind of, you know, I could see a little bit, and then the rest of the world seemed to fall away. It was just this little patch of light, and then the glowing town hall, and the sounds of the creek, and it was really beautiful, and the air was warm and kind of wrapped me up in this hug, and I just felt really grounded in the present moment, and um, 
you know, awe at the beauty of that place and time. And somehow, somehow that kind of created this space for this wave of, of grief to come and hit me. And grief's an unpredictable thing. You can't tell when it's going to come up and, and come out of you or, or, or envelope you. But, yeah, it was kind of surprising. Like, it was something about the, the beauty of that moment and um, being really grounded in the present and the, knowing that the world was a beautiful place that gave space for that. And I, yeah, shed a few tears and walked down and listened to the music. I walked by the light of the stars and the street light. The town hall had a glimmer, and I heard the sweet sound of a gospel singer. Dressed in summer, the air holds the memory of another. The creek is singing, and inside the whole hall is ringing with a I think home is a bit like your favorite jumper. Well-worn, slightly outdated, snug but not suffocating. Sure, it's a bit grubby around the collar, and there's that hole in the pocket and a button missing. But you love it. It's quirky and comfortable, just like you. Other times home is more like that shirt that you used to love. The one that doesn't quite fit right anymore. It 
pulls in all the wrong places and has that awkward stain down the front that just won't come out and is impossible to hide. Or the mothball smelling one that was handed down to you by your father, knitted by your great grandmother. The one made of itchy wool that's full of nostalgia and family history, but that you haven't yet grown into and you're not even sure you want. Do you know what I mean? Home is this thing that some of us inherit while others spend their lives in search of it. It can feel slippery and elusive. We can outgrow it, redefine it, abandon or adore it. We can have it taken from us. We can be driven from it. Colonization, war, detention, forced migration, foreclosure, impoverishment. Humanity is heavy with stories of the making and breaking of home. Home is messy. Home assumes belonging, and belonging needs to feel complicated if you, like me, are a settler living on unceded indigenous land. What does it mean to belong here? What stories do we need to learn from and listen to if we truly want to find our way home? Home matters. They didn't teach it in primary school, which is maybe why we spend our lives trying to understand it. Why we have so many questions and are so often in pursuit of it. As it turns out, you're the only one who can define it. Chances are you'll be surprised by it. And I'm pretty sure you'll know it when you find it. We all need some place to hang our head. What do we have if not that? And we all need somewhere to return to when we're wrong. Where can we go if not home? Are you still as wild as you were? I feel like it shifts, it changes. As a teenager, home was the house that I lived in, you know? It was my family. It was a house that my dad built. And it wasn't just the house, but the the farm that it was on and the surrounding, you know, the trees that you know the shape of intimately and the creek and the, all of those senses that you have around a, a, a familiar place that is home, a part of it being home, so whatever they might be, the sounds of the wind at different times of the year and the, sound, and the feel of the grass under your feet. And it's like that seasonal change is part of it. And it's knowing, it's knowing that intimacy of a place or something. But since, um, I don't know, since I left my family home, I've lived in so many different houses and a lot of them in Candelow. And home has become more about where my family is, like where my wife and my kids are. I think about it a lot because... You know, there are moments where you want to run away from home. But then it's like, where does home, where is home? And I think I finally settled on home being inside of myself and then my decision of where to be. 
Are you still as wild as you were as a child? How far from the nest have you flown? Could you find your way back on your home? In this home, the place you belong Or is it just the place you came from? It's both of those things, or it's either of those things, or it's neither of those things. It um, depends on, uh, it depends who you're asking. For me, it's both of those things. You know, it's, in, it's important for us all to, f- to find where that is, you know, to have some sense of home. And a lot of people in the world don't have a sense of home or hope have a place that they can feel safe and comfortable and themselves and so I feel fortunate to have that here in, in a particularly special place yeah, it's funny because I actually would say now even though this town is adopted in the sense that I've moved here you know 10, 10 years ago I would say I'm from here because I was from Orange, as in I was born there, and I probably lived there from zero to two, but there's not a lot of memories from there, so it makes me wonder about where we're actually from. <laughs> but I do identify with the country, which is something that, you know, where I was born, I do when I go there, I feel the land, and um, it does call me back. But, uh, Maybe we can be from like a trail of places. Maybe we make our own lines of froms. I reckon it's it's not the place you came from. You can come from somewhere and decide that it's not not home anymore. Hopefully you belong where your home is, or you feel like you do. I reckon you could call somewhere home that you don't belong, or you feel like you don't belong. That's pretty hard, probably. Yeah, I guess rather than being a place, it's a sense of knowing you're in the right place. I don't think it's a possession. I don't think it's a thing in that way. I mean, the saying home is where your heart is, I think is a good one. You know, when I look out over the range in the mornings or I look out at the night sky, I just feel immense gratitude. I feel like I'm lucky. I feel like I'm totally surprised that I found myself feeling at home somewhere. Somewhere to 
return to when we're old? Where can we go if not home? Where can we go if not home? I want to tell you a story about the place where I'm from some 9,000 miles and a hemisphere away. It's a place where spring comes slowly and winter lasts long. Autumn is blazing, the blood of trees runs gold. I come from a town, mid-size, with a river running through it. A river upon which my father keeps an old fishing boat dock. That river, so ordinary in so many ways, has been his salvation on so many days. Constant, yet changing. Always familiar, never the same. Now, you may not know my father, but do you know what I mean when I say that the story of a river can be the story of home? That a place can change you if you plant yourself in it. If you return to its waters day after day. That a river, that a town, will shape you. Slowly, with currents and with waves. Smoothing edges, making you part of that place. In this final stretch of story, we're talking about what happens when we stay, when we put down our rambling by force or by choice and stick around home for a while. What are the gifts in staying still? What can we learn by looking out the same window at the same street day after day? And how long does it take for the story of a place be it a house, a city, a river, to become you. To write itself on your bones so that no matter where you go, you can always find your way home. I watched a whole season come and go. You know, that's a gift. It's nice to watch the arc of the sun change. It's nice to watch the... Watch the, watch the river flow. If you know how to simply be still, um, you can learn a lot. I think I'm, I think I'm pretty good at it. You know, coming from a place like this, I have no doubt that that's you know, part of why I'm good at sort of just being still. It just comes back to yeah, living in the open. You know, living in the country and being more connected to the earth a little bit and being more connected to the seasons, you know. Staying in place allows you to learn how that place grows or is or what happens in that place. And so that, I believe, stronger, builds a strong connection. Yeah, I think staying in place allows you to really observe and I've enjoyed learning how to stay in place. You know, like, I love 
I love quantum physics and how we're always shedding part of ourselves, like our hair and our skin and our fingernails and things. And those cells kind of become part of the landscape in a physical way. And and also, you know, that thing of we're stardust or, and the cells that are our body have been through all these different plants and and other beings, you know, other people, the atoms that are us have passed through all these other people. And so I feel like there's something about being from a place where, you know, you influence the place where you are and it influences you and in some ways you are that place. You know, you know there's, it's interesting, yeah. Yeah. It's funny because... Like as a musician, travelling musician, you you get adopted by beautiful places in the world and the most amazing people and you fall in love with these places and these towns. But what happened when I moved to Canterbury was um, and I got my, you know, my block of land and my funny little house. Um, actually, it was still when I had the caravan. When I had the caravan, I'd go on tour and when I went to sleep at night, I'd actually dream of the field and the smell and the um, mountains and this beautiful valley and it made me think wow that's kind of funny I've never really had that where you dream of a place even though you're somewhere astounding with the most amazing people so I kind of think that I must maybe belong to Candleloo. Um yeah 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 and I think on my heart like wanders and it wants to go and belong it wants to be part of other parts of the world like because I love meeting people and I love being absorbed into other communities and being a local in other places. But the thing is that, yeah, it's a funny little place that seems to call you back again. All right, come on, come back, and you can go wandering again. <laughs> Thanks for being here and tuning in. Songs and stories always taste better when shared. This episode of the Candelo Roadshow Radio Hour featured the melodies and musings of Melanie Horsnell, Robin Martin, Kate Burke, Pete Wilde, Heath Cullen, Sam Martin, and David Ross McDonald, with special guest appearances by Mike Martin and the Frogs, Birds, Kids, and Village of Candelo. We are honored to live, work, and create this podcast on you and country. We acknowledge that this land was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. 
Big thanks to the New South Wales government, whose financial support through Create New South Wales has made the making of the Candelo Roadshow Radio Hour possible. I'm Ray Kennedy. Thanks again for listening. Now, no country town is complete without a few cock-a-doodle-doos. So we're going to let Sam Martin and his old blues rooster sing us home. Thank you.
What's a foxy lady saying? Oh, Mr. Rooster. 